Well, good morning and welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we're so glad that you're here today. And if you are visiting with us, uh, I just want to say a special welcome. And if you want to come up afterwards, uh, I'd love to meet you and get a chance uh, to uh, talk to you just a little bit. Well, we're in week two of our series called Helping Friends Through Tough Times. And last week, we talked about divorce and uh, how to help friends when they're going through that crisis. And uh, I would just encourage you that if you weren't here last week, you can pick up a CD in the back, but uh, uh, many of our friends and family go through the struggle of divorce, and uh, you can go ahead and uh, pick that up and get some tools on doing that. Now today, we're going to talk about the crisis of debt. Over the past couple of years, our nation has gone through um, the greatest financial struggle uh, that we have experienced since the Great Depression. And the reason is, is this issue of debt. And let me begin by just saying this. Debt is dangerous. Debt is dangerous. And it says over and over and over again in the Bible that God tells us debt is a trap. It's a dangerous trap. Currently, consumer debt just on credit cards alone for our country is $950 billion that's with a B, billion dollars. And when they spread that out through all of us, it means that the average person has about $8,500 in credit card debt that's on a card somewhere, continuing to have interest to it. Total consumer debt right now is $3 trillion. Trillion with a T. And our national debt is $11.8 trillion. So one thing that you can find is that people are enjoying spending money that they don't have. So I just want to say that at the beginning, debt is dangerous. And we have seen over the past year, especially uh, as we look at a lot of the different companies that have fallen, that debt is a trap. Now you might be asking yourself this morning, why is debt a trap? Why is it a trap? Because it enslaves you. The Bible says this, and you can look at this with me. It says, borrow money and you are the lender's slave. Borrow money and you are the lender's slave. The Bible says if you borrow money, you become a slave to that person. You actually become indebted to them. And it is bad news. So for the rest of our time, what I want to talk about is uh, a little bit of bad news, that is debt. But I want to focus mostly on how you can get out of debt. Some good news on how God will help you to get out of debt if you do things His way and live with a sense of financial freedom. Now practically every single day when I go out to the mailbox, um, in our family, Jennifer hates mail. She uh, gets everything electronically, so I have to get the mail. And uh, I, every time I go out to get the mailbox, every day I get one or two credit card applications that they want me to apply for something. And I was just thinking this week, you know, we could save so many trees if uh, we just told them don't send it to us. But no matter, even if you tell them don't send these applications to us, they will. And do you know why? Because they're making money. They would not spend millions and millions of dollars mailing them out to us if we weren't filling them out. Now, this week, I was looking through some of the ones that came to our mailbox. And as I was looking through them, there was one particular word that was not on any of the applications at all. Anyone want to take a guess what that word is? Debt. There was nothing about debt in it. Now, one of the ones that I found, I think it'll show up here, was easy payments. Easier payments. Now, let me just ask you something. Have you ever made an easier payment in your life? I mean, that's an oxymoron. That's like jumbo shrimp or we're here from the IRS and we're here to serve you, you know? I mean, it just doesn't make sense whatsoever. I mean, every payment that I have ever had to make is a hard payment. 
Now, in credit card advertisements, you will never see the word debt. And I was wondering, why are these multi-million dollar companies so scared about this small little four-letter word debt? And so I looked up the word debt and the synonyms that go with it, and that's why I found they're scared of it. Here's some synonyms for the word debt. O, obligated, liable, in deficit, in default, insolvent, encumbered, in over one's head. Tied up, out of pocket, in arrears, indigent, pauper, destitute, penniless, needy, lacking, distressed, in difficulty, a deadbeat. Having a wolf at the door, living hand to mouth. I'm not making these up, folks, okay? It's all right there. Beggarly, emptied, having seen better days. Gone to the dogs, racked and ruined, impoverished, bad off, hard up, beaten down, reduced to ruin. Flee, stripped, bereft, bereaved, reduced, unable to make ends meet, embarrassed, broke, and busted. Now, if they told you that's what you're going to get if you sign up for this credit card... Not many of us probably would, you know, sign up real quick. This past week, my daughter, Jordan, who's two years old, walked up to me and she said this, Daddy, you're busted. And I was like, man, did I leave the toilet seat down, you know? Did I forget to change her diaper? Is uh, our youngest four-month-old, you know, fallen, has, it, has she fallen out of her crib? I didn't know what it was. But uh, she just said, Daddy, you're busted. And I was thinking, if we just had a little voice, every time we think that we would go into greater debt, if someone just said, whatever your name is, you're busted, that just maybe we might think differently about it. When you're in debt, folks, you're in debt to other people. And debt is a dangerous thing. So let me just go through real quick five things that you know you are in the debt trap. You're in a dangerous debt problem. Here's the first one, and uh, I'd encourage you to uh, write down any of these. Here's the first one. It's in your uh, little insert. The first one is this, living on credit instead of cash. Living on credit instead of cash. Living on credit instead of cash. The Bible says this, Don't withhold repayment of your debts. Don't say some other time if you can pay it now. In other words, if you have the cash to pay it now, pay it now. Don't put it off into the future. Don't put it on some other credit account. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Don't stretch it out over a period of time. Don't withhold your payment, just do it now. Now, how do you know if you're living on credit? Well, it's real simple. You get to the end of the month, and you look down, and you can't pay the balance of your credit card. If that's the issue, you're living on debt. You're living on credit. You know... The problem is, though, that it's so much easier to use a credit card. But I found an interesting statistic, and it's this, that if you use a credit card instead of cash, you will spend 23% more money off of any purchase. It means it's a whole lot easier, isn't it? You give them that, just swipe that thing. It almost sounds fun, doesn't it? I mean, when they put it through, it goes, ring, like that. You're like, oh, man, this is great. And it's fun to spend money. Do you think it's fun to spend money? Yeah. It's fun to spend money. We all like to spend money. I like to spend money. But it's going to bite you in your backside once you get into debt. And so living on credit is the first kind of danger side. Here's the second one. Delaying payments or paying the minimum due. Delaying payments or paying the minimum due. The Bible says this, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. 
In other words, the only revolving account that you should have when it comes to your life is an account on the debt of love that you give to other people. Let no debt to continue to going on and on and on and on in your life except the debt to love. So if you're missing a payment, if you're making late payments, if you're paying the minimum due on your credit cards every single month, if there is this constant tension and stress about money in your family and your relationships, then you're headed in the debt trap. And folks, these are warning signs, these things that I just gave you, that should be red flags for you to know, you know what, i got to stop this. It's madness. I need to stop. Something has to stop right now. I'm spending too much money. I'm spending more than I make. The third sign is this. You are unable to give or save. You're just unable... To give or to save. If you're not giving money to God and His work in this world, and if you're not saving back money, then you're just spending too much money. The Bible says this Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your your produce. God just says, right off the top, honor me. If you want me to honor your life and the things that are going in your life, then honor me. And we need to respond by saying, God, I want to honor you. And if I'm not giving to God and his church, if I'm not honoring him, if I'm simply using his money to pay my bills, then God takes this very seriously. I mean, how do you expect... God to bless your finances if you're not honoring Him, if you're dishonoring Him by holding something back. The Bible tells us this, the wise person saves for the future, but the foolish person spends whatever he or she gets. If you're not giving to God's church, if you're not saving back some money for uh, the future then you're spending too much money. And you need to think of a radical change. It's a warning sign that you're headed towards the debt trap. Here's the fourth danger sign. Unable to pay taxes. If you're unable to pay your taxes. The Bible tells us that one day, this is what Jesus said. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. Caesar says you pay taxes. Now, if I ask you, how many of you enjoy paying taxes? There wouldn't be a single hand. And you know, they have these creative words like loit and loot and lot. That's what loit means, your loot, okay? And whatever tax it is, That means it's going to be there. But you know what? The reality is, folks, that whatever the tax is, it really is an ability of freedom that we have in this country. Taxes are an investment we pay on our freedom. You see, somebody protects us, somebody paves the road, somebody provides an education for your kids. Taxes are an investment on the future of what other people have done for us. Now, I've been around the world. I've been to about nine different countries. And some of these countries don't pay taxes. But you know what? They don't have roads and they don't have education. And their people are suffering daily because there's no freedom. Well, here's the last sign that you're entering into the debt trap. You're always looking for a get-rich-quick idea. You're always looking for a get-rich-quick idea. Throughout the Bible, it tells us constantly, don't do this. Don't get involved in a get-rich-quick scheme. Because this is just a symptom that you're headed towards the debt trap. 
In fact, the Bible says this. Steady plotting brings prosperity. In other words, just consistent hard work. You get a job, you get a salary, and you just keep working at it over time. And the the scripture says steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. You see, the problem is when you get into debt, you are ripe for a ripoff. People are like magnets when they know you're in trouble financially. And they all want to be your savior of how they can help you through it just like that. Some con artist, some business scam, someone's going to come up to you and say, I know how to get, to get you out of this debt trap. Here's what you do. Last night, my four-month-old woke me up at 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and 6 o'clock this morning. Once 6 o'clock came, I said, I'm up, you know. But after the 6 o'clock, I turned on the television just for a second, and there was this one infomercial. This guy was going to take care of all your debt. All you had to do was call in and buy his book, his other book, and then if you really wanted to get out of debt, you bought his CDs. You know what you just did by doing all those three things? More debt. More debt. I've shared this, I think, before, but my favorite kind of get-rich scheme scheme, uh, happened to a friend of ours a few years ago, a really good friend of ours. He's actually a psychologist, uh, has a good job, and uh, he got in some debt, and he thought he could get out of it real quick. And uh, some con artist told him, you know what you need to do? It's Thanksgiving, and we can make some fruit baskets that can sell like wildfire to all of the different doctor's offices throughout Anderson, Muncie, Delaware County. And he took his 401k that he had been saving and he put it in there. Well, November was awesome. December got even better. January was even better than that. But then all of a sudden, February came. And on Valentine's Day, you don't find very many women saying, Honey, could you give me a fruit basket? You know? I mean, people just aren't that excited about fruit baskets once you get beyond the first of the year. And all of a sudden, that business just started going down like this. And then the next year, when uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all that came, it went up again. But within two years, our friend had lost everything out of his 401k on the fruit basket get-rich scheme. The guy was selling him fruit, but the guy who was selling it to him was a fruit cake. Okay? And the issue is, when you get sucked in and you have debt, you're, you're more, it, it's just so much easier for you to get sucked in to anything that's going to get you out. You know, the old saying is true. If it sounds too good to be true, what? It is. Just run away from those things. Okay, let me talk about one other thing. I have no doubt that there are some of you who are here this morning that you played the lotto jackpot. You have in your mind that you're going to hit it big one day. Okay? Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but I'm just going to give you some truth this morning. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Anybody uh, know what this is? I don't know if you can see it way back there. It's a paper shred. And this is the best illustration that I know. This is the lottery, the paper shredder, okay? Let's turn it on. And they're saying, come by. You could be the next winner. Sometimes you get that little ticket, you win like 25 bucks and... You're like, man, all right, I'm going big time. Now we're going, you know, big time. And this is what they do. Come, come, come. And here comes your money to the lotto, okay? And here we go. Here it comes. Whoa! Thank you for doing business with us. What do you got? Nothing. Uh, But next time, you know what? You know, I I saw Oprah, and she said, you know, number seven is really the one. So let me try again. I'll just, I'll just get it. 
It wasn't number seven. Well, let me try one more time. And you see what happens is we just continue to think that the way we're going to get out of debt is if we just hit it big. You're not going to hit it big. In fact, I was reading this week. This is the truth, folks. You statistically have a better chance of going to the moon than you do to win the big jackpot lotto here in Indiana to go to the moon. Now, as I said before, that it's just like taking your money and putting it through a paper shredder. Don't do that. Give it to me. I'll keep it for you. Okay? You'll have something at the end of the lotto experience. Guaranteed. Now, as we've gone through this list, I have a feeling some of you are like, wow, that's me. Or maybe this is two or three things. And I realize that it's painful. Uh, I've gone through uh, debt myself and been head over my heels in the first couple of years of our marriage. I'll talk about it in a little bit. But God says, I've got some good news. And he says, if you do it my way, if you do your money my way, you can stay out permanently. So, for the rest of our time, I just want to give you some quick steps here to financial freedom. Not only for you to write down, but if you're at a good place right now, the thing that I would encourage you to do is to write it down for your friends. Because undoubtedly, somebody is going to need these. They're going to need some of this help, this encouragement. So let's go ahead and let's look at the first one. The first one is this. Commit to becoming debt-free. What's it say? When? Now. Commit to becoming debt-free now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not when you feel better, but now. The Bible says this, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. If you commit to becoming debt-free and you work the steps, and the second one is just as important, because I have a feeling if we, if we said, would everybody raise their hand that really wants to get out of debt, everybody would raise their hand. Because it's easy to raise your hand. And you would leave from this place and you'd say, I'm, I'm ready. And then all of a sudden they'd send you those easy payment things and you go, well, it's just like free money, you know? And you get sucked back into it. But the hard part is doing the steps, having to make the lifestyle choices. But if you do that, you can become debt-free. Now, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to you know, take place just in one moment, but it's going to take some time. How many of you would say this is a true statement? It's always easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. Is that true? Yeah. It's always much easier to get into debt than to get out of it. Folks, nobody just drifts into debt. You don't drift into it. You make choices to get into it. Now, sometimes life circumstances happen and it hits you. But more often than not, what happens is you drift into it, then the life circumstances hit it, and you can't get through it. And you're not going to just wake up one morning and all the debt is going to be zeros. Wouldn't that be great? Just wake up one morning and everybody says, you know what, today we are just going to take everyone's debt away. Everyone starts with zero. You know what would happen? Credit card companies would start sending stuff and people would be like, man, this is my chance now, you know? Stick it to the man. Stick it to the man. You know? Get back up. The only way you're going to get out of debt is if you have a plan. And it starts with commitment. Here's the second stamp to financial freedom. Start paying God and myself first. You start paying God and yourself first. I was reading this week uh, one of the most uh, successful businessmen uh, in our nation. And uh, when all this crisis came, he had one of the few businesses that did not take a dip, but it kept going up and to the right. And he said the whole reason was, was he followed Christian principles, God's principles on how to use his money. And he was talking to a group of pastors, and this is what he told the pastors. He said, tell your people that the best time to start giving to the church is when they're in debt, because that's when they need 
the most help. If you need God's help to get out of debt, then you need to do things with your money God's way. Folks, the reality is, whatever you want God to bless in your life, you have to make Him first in your life. For instance, if you want Him to bless your marriage, you've got to put Him first in your marriage. If you want Him to bless your business or your job, you have to put Him first in your business or your job. If you want Him to bless your family, you've got to put Him first in your family. And if you want Him to bless your finances, you have to put Him first in your finances. The Bible says this, I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Only place in Scripture in which, Jesus, in which God says, test me, and it deals with money. He says, bring the entire 10% into the storehouse so there will be food in my house. Then I will open up the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. Now what does that mean, to give the entire 10%? Well, the word here that is uh, used is the word tithe. Now, you've heard that before, tithe. And that word simply means 10%, or a tenth, one-tenth of what you have. And the Bible says that you should take the first 10% and you should give it to God and the church consistently. You never miss. And then why God says that if you do that, the 10% of your earnings, what, goes, what happens is there is uh, something that is shot into motion, a series of divine blessings that come into your life. It promises that God will supernaturally help you out as you're going through life if you will choose to give part of your resources. I mean, every time this is mentioned in the Bible, there's a sense of God's blessing. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying name it and claim it. You ever hear pastors like that before? You know, if you just name it, you can claim it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you give to God and then watch God work in your life and see how he takes care of your needs. When my wife Jennifer and I first got married, we were um, reading some scriptures on tithing. And we found out that we were not going to be able to do it. I lived here in Mun- or she lived here in Muncie. I lived over in Lafayette, uh, which is on the other side of town. And we were paying for two apartments. I made $16,000. Jennifer didn't work. She was going to medical school. And when we got down to the end, we just couldn't do it. So we decided we would do this. We would give 5% to God. And... Each year after that, we would increase our giving by 1% until we got to the time. So we prayed about it, and we just started to do it. Well, we did this for five years, and we were able to. And in 1998, after five years of just increasing our giving by 1%, we got to the time. And in 1998, we moved here to Muncie so that Jennifer could go through her medical residency at the hospital. And uh, life was going great. Everything was going good. She got a little signing bonus for being a resident. And we bought our first home. And we were so excited. We had everything planned out. And I thought we were good to go. And then all of a sudden the realtor said, Now remember that you do have about $1,500 in closing costs. They don't tell you about closing costs. They just wait until you're close to closing. Then they say, we got something to close you out with, you know? And so I wasn't sure what we were going to do. And I said, well, we could take out a personal loan if we have to. Or uh, Jen goes, well, we could just ask my parents. No male wants to ask his father-in-law, hey, Need 1500 Can you help me out? You know? So I'm like, well, that one's definitely off. So we were down to the loan, and I said, you know what? If we just didn't give to the church for a little bit, over time we'd be able to do this. And Jennifer said, no, we're not going to do that. So the only thing we had was God was either going to show up and do something, or we were just going to have to take out a bigger loan. 
get into debt. So we prayed and we prayed and daily we were praying. And a couple weeks before we got ready to close, I went out to the mailbox and there was a card from a friend of ours. Her name's Rachel Weiss. That particular summer, her husband, Joe, had died of cancer. And uh, we opened it up and we figured she was telling us, you know, what was going on in her life. And we opened it up and uh, I still have the card and this is what she said. I was thinking about both of you and wanted to share with you a little gift. Now, please know that God loves you and so do I. And so we opened up the check and guess what it was? $1,500, exactly what we needed. Now, I'm not saying if you start giving to the jar, I don't even know what people give. I've never known. I don't care to know. I'm not saying, though, if you start giving financially or you increase your giving, that you're going to get a check for $1,500, okay? All I'm saying is that if you put God to the test with your finances, He will come through time and time again. So you pay God, and then you pay yourself. The Bible says this, those who work deserve their pay. Those who work deserve their pay. You know, there are people that work 30, 40, 50 years of their life, and they get to retirement age, and guess what? They have nothing. What they did was, everything that came in, they just sent it out. They never thought about sitting back to save anything. They never paid themselves. You know, besides paying God, you should pay yourself. You've worked hard. You deserve some pay. And so you save. That's paying yourself. Now, when Jen and I first got married, we didn't save anything. I mean, we didn't have anything to save, so there was no reason saving. And my father-in-law, the same one that we didn't take the money from, who's a financial advisor, pulled me aside and said, Chris, you need to start saving. I was like, man, we don't have anything to save. And he said, I don't care if it's $10 a month, just start saving so that it gets ingrained in your head. And that's the first thing we did. We started saving $10 a month. The first year, we had saved $120. That's what it was. And we decided in year two of our marriage that we were given 7% to God and we would start saving back 1% of our income each year. And I'm so glad we did that because when storms have come in our life, and they always do, we had some foundation to help us through it. So if you're not saving something back, just start with 1%. Just say 1% of my income, I guarantee you spend that much on other stuff. Just 1% I'm going to save back. And then you increase it each year until you get that 10%. Because the ultimate equation of financial freedom that people tell us is something that I've talked about here several times before, and it's called the 10-10-80 plan. 10-10-80 plan. Last time I taught on this, uh, somebody came up to me and they said, you know, I've heard that before. I've heard you teach it before. And I said, yeah, you're right, I have. And I just asked them, I said, are you doing it? And they said, well, no. And I said, well, I'm not going to stop doing this teaching until everyone does it, because I want you to be freed up. I don't want you to feel like you're getting choked out. So here's the 10-10-80 plan. It'll come up on the board. Let me give you a few examples of how astounding this is. First of all, let's say that at age 25, you go to this 10-10-20 plan, and you're making $20,000. And you don't get any raise for 20 years, just $20,000 every single year. At the end of those 20 years, you would have given $40,000 to God's work, and you would have had $121,000 of an investment return at 10%. Now, I know right now 10% is hard to get, but I'm realizing that sooner or later it's going to hit there again. And that's the power of compound interest. You do it regularly over time, and it just affects your life. Now, let's say that you're a little bit older. Let's say you're age 35, okay? And let's say you make a little bit more money. You make 30000 And let's say you don't get any raises for 20 years, but you just kind of do this. In 20 years, you would have given $60,000 to God's work. Guarantee you'd feel excited about that. 
And then secondly, you would have had $241,000 of an investment in your thing. Do you know how many 35-year-olds would love to have $241,000 in a savings account? All of us would. Some of us are 65, and we'd like to have that, right? But it's just the discipline of doing it all the time. Now, let's say that you're a two-working-income family. Two of you are working together. And let's say that uh, you're 45, you're a little bit older now, and uh, you make 60002 incomes. You do that for 20 years, getting ready for retirement. You would have given $120,000 to God's work. And you would have made $363,000. That's just by giving and working this plan. Now, I realize that some of you are saying, dude, we can't do that. I don't care where you start. Maybe it's 2, 2, what is that? 96, okay? I didn't say I was good at numbers. I just know how to do the plan, okay? 2, 2, 96, and you do that. And then you just increase it by a percentage. I'm telling you, you'll find financial freedom in your life. Well, let's go on to the next one. The third step to financial freedom is this. You list all you earn and you own. You list all you earn and you owe. This is just keeping good, good uh, accounting records, the principle of accounting. It's knowing where your money is and where it's going and where it's coming from. The Bible says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. That means you're wise, you're knowledgeable, when you know how much you're earning and how much you're actually uh, giving away, or how much you're spending. You know, people often say this, money talks. You know what else money does? Money walks. Doesn't it? You ever get to the end of the month and you go, where did it all go? I mean, we had, at the beginning of the month, we had this, and now where's it at? If you're there or you have been there, the issue is you're not doing a budget. You're not living on a budget. And on October 1st, down in uh, Indianapolis, Dave Ramsey is going to be doing a conference called Total Money Makeover. And I would just strongly encourage you, if you're not doing a budget, if you're in debt, if you're struggling with anything, just tell yourself, I'm going to go. I'm going to get this piece of my life together because I want freedom in the midst of it. Just decide today, I'm going to do it. Here's the next step. Set up a repayment plan. Set up a repayment plan. The Bible says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. If you want to be prosperous, you have to have a good plan. Now, to do this, it means you're probably going to have to get a financial advisor of some time. It might be a friend, somebody else, but somebody that's going to help you. And you say, well, I don't need any more help. I can't even get out of debt. That's why you need the help. Now, this is what the Bible says. Get advice if you want your plans to work. I guarantee if any of you had a tumor in your brain, you would go to a doctor who deals with tumors and brains, an oncologist. You'd say, I want to get healthy. I want to get healed. And in the same way, if you're struggling with debt, you need some advice. Jennifer and I, in our second year of marriage, we hit the point where we had maxed out credit cards and we were living seriously just on debt. And our marriage was struggling. Everything was kind of bad news. And I had a friend who was an accountant. And uh, I just said, dude, here it is. This is everything we have. We're in trouble. Can you help us out? And this was before they had all these spreadsheets and that kind of stuff. And there was just this big old long piece of paper and we had to write down every single thing that we spent and all the money that came in. I mean, when I had funerals, you know, that's when Jennifer and I kind of celebrated every once in a while. Because if we got paid for a funeral, man, we started getting some of the debt off, you know. And so we were working at this and we got down to the bottom and he said, you need to put down entertainment. And I said, entertainment, there's nothing left. He said, oh yeah, there is. There's $10 left. You know what Jennifer and I did for the next five years? We went to Pizza King in Flora, Indiana on Sunday night when there were all, no one was around. And we ordered a medium, medium with extra cheese. 
And we sat there and we ate it slowly. And we thought we were in heaven, you know. I just want you to know that if you're struggling with credit card debt, here's your homework assignment this week. I've done it for uh, people before. Get a piece of aluminum fan, uh, foil, put all your credit cards in there, heat your oven up to 450 degrees, put it in there for an hour, and let it melt. And then when you're done, send it to me. Because my daughter's become this artist, and we'll put a collage up of all these. And I'll leave it in my office just for you, okay? Here's the next thing. You want to get out of debt? No new debt. Just no new debt. You spent more than you made, so now you've got to stop. You've got to stop now. Now, some of you will go, I'm in. You convicted me today. First of the month, I'm going to start. Some of you go, well, Christmas is coming up. Well, after Christmas, if you wait until another time, you'll never do it. you just got to say today, today's the day. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to get out of debt. And that is a real key for you to be able to do. You've got to go cold turkey on this one. The Bible says uh, that the greatest key for staying out of debt is this. Be content with what you have. Just be content with what you have. Here's the next thing. Share your plan with your creditors. Share your plan with your creditors. Folks, if you want to get out of debt, first of all, you have to be honest with God. God, you already know anyways, but I'm just going to tell you, this is where I'm at. And then secondly, you're honest with yourself. And then thirdly, you're honest with your creditors, the people that you owe money to. And you need to write to your creditors and say, you know what, I'm trying to go to church, I'm trying to be a Christian, I'm trying to connect with God, I don't want to stiff you. But if you keep on putting more and more uh, interest on me, I can't pay you back. I want to pay you back. So would you please work with me? And I can't tell you how many small business owners I've talked to in our church who have said, if people just called me and they said, you know what, I'm struggling right now. Could I pay you $20 a month until I get it paid off or whatever the amount is? They'd say, we'd gladly have people do that. So don't stiff a creditor, but especially someone connected to the church or a Christian. And this is what the Bible says, if you're honest with your creditors. The Bible says, when your ways please the Lord, He will make your friends or your enemies into friends. Here's the last step. Stick to it. Stick to the plan. Whatever you decide today, just stick to it. The Bible says this, let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Getting out, of discipline, getting out of debt takes discipline and energy and effort and time. And the principles work, but you've got to stick to them. I wasn't sure how we would close out today, and so uh, this week I sat down with uh, two people who were drowning in debt, who were at a point where they just couldn't do it anymore. And as I sat down and I was talking to them, they told me their story of how they got into debt and now how they're working towards financial freedom. Let's uh, look at the screens uh, and listen to the story of Mike and Jane Kayla. Well, today we're excited to have uh, Mike and Jane Kaler to uh, share their story. And Jane, why don't you just start, you know, at first kind of telling us a little bit about yourselves and, you know, kids, family, um, kind of what uh, you know you you guys do for an occupation. I've been married for 21 years. We have two kids. Rob is 21, and Amy is 18. And I work at the Star Press in the accounting department, and he works at Pendleton Corrections as a correctional sergeant. So, Mike, just kind of roughly, um, what what do you guys make? Anywhere between fifty-seven, sixty thousand a year. And so that that's pretty middle class, uh, kind of middle of the road, uh, pretty decent uh, living. And so, what was it that got you from kind of this, you know, kind of normal spending habits, uh, you know, a, a decent middle of the road kind of thing, to to drowning in debt? Well, when we moved out here about ten years ago, I went into the restaurant business. And 
we bought a home and then all of a sudden we started having problems with our home. Uh, had to repair the place, the roof, had to get some car repairs done, the boiler went out, all this stuff just added up and we didn't have the immediate funds because we just bought the home mm-hmm. and we ended up slipping, you know, by having to pay for everything with our credit cards. Now you guys have been uh, attending the JAR for uh, four years, uh, Jane, and I was just wondering, um, you know, what was it that kind of made the difference for you on uh, looking at your money as uh, using it God's way uh, rather than your own? Well, even though we had been Christians for several years, I don't think we realized that we were spending God's money. Mm-hmm. I think we always felt like it was our money and um, we just didn't, we weren't very good at spending it. But it wasn't until we started going to the jar and we started actually hearing sermons on finances and things like that that we started thinking that that way that it was God's money. And then when we went to the Freed Up Financial Seminar, um, that guy that gave it just really nailed it for us. He really made us, just made it so clear. Yeah. Well, good. And, uh, so that's when you finally realized that um, your possessions just weren't your own, but they were God's. Too. Right, and that our debt, that we were actually abusing mm-hmm. the money that he was letting us spend. Well, Mike, what were some of the kind of practical steps that you guys took to kind of uh, lead towards financial freedom? Well, one thing we did was we cut up all our credit cards. And we don't have one credit card to our name right now. And and never, never will. Never will. Yeah. Never again. That was one of the steps. And then through that seminar, we learned that we need to set up a budget. And we did get rid of our, our uh, home phone. Uh, we have cell phones. We bought them for all the kids and us. And we figured, why are we paying for two phones? Yeah. Another, another thing we did, too, is we went out and put those uh, energy-saving light bulbs throughout our whole house. We don't have one regular light bulb. They're all the fluorescent. You know, I don't know what that's done yet, but you know, if it's saving a dollar a month, I mean, that's another dollar more. Yeah. You know. So, Jane, you know, you guys now are kind of living with some sense of financial freedom. Not that you've, you know, arrived totally, but uh, you're working towards it. And how does that kind of feel now? And what are you able to do? Well, it feels really good. Today's a payday for me. And before it meant nothing because it was gone before it was ever spent. But um, Mike and I are getting ready to go over to Penn Station for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And so that feels great to be able to do that um, and uh, to know that you're able to actually pay for some things. And I know that um, Mike was telling me there was one thing. He kind of had an accident uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, why don't you tell about that a little bit? Right. He hurt his foot at work, and it didn't cause any problems. He didn't miss any work. But it made him think that, wow, what would we do? You know, because there's no card even to go charge a bill on if we didn't have the money to pay for it. So he was able to get some supplemental insurance. Awesome. In case anything were to happen. Yeah. So. And a couple of years ago, that would have um, been, been a luxury <laughs> way. <laughs> on a credit card yeah. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mike, this is kind of your you know free shot uh, to kind of share here. But you know, a lot of people uh, that will be watching this today are kind of drowning in debt. And I just wonder, what kind of encouragement would you kind of give to them? Well, I would say one thing you need to do is pray. Make sure you're praying and communicate with your spouse, your wife. You know, don't 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 fight about it. it you know, those, it's it's not going to go away right away. But if you sit there and fight about it, it's just going to bring you down. Yeah. And uh, and I know one thing is that you can do it. If you want to get out of debt, you just got to sit down and make it happen. Set up that budget and stick to it. It's hard to do, but once you do it you can get it done. Yeah. Well, Jane and Mike, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story. And um, kind of like uh, Mike said, um, you guys really can do this um, when you handle your money God's way.
Well, uh, let's give a hand to Mike and James for sharing their story. I just want you to know today that if you feel like you're drowning in debt, I want you to know that you're not alone. I was thinking about this week. There's a story in the Bible in which Jesus one day is out in a boat uh, in a lake, and his 12 disciples and his 12 followers are all there with him. And in the middle of this lake and in this boat, he decides to go take a nap to go to sleep. And he goes and he lays down and he's sleeping. And the disciples are there and all of a sudden a storm comes up. And the waves start crashing and banging against the boat. And Jesus just keeps on sleeping. And the disciples are afraid that they are going to drown. And so they go to Jesus and they tell him this, Lord, don't you care if we drown? Now let me just tell you this, folks. If Jesus is in the boat, it's not going to sink. It's not going to sink. And for some of you, what you simply need to do to begin with is say, Jesus, I need you in the boat. I need you in the boat called life. I need you in my boat of my family. I need you in the boat of my marriage. I need you in the boat of my friendships. I need you in the boat of my finances. And when you do that, Jesus shows up and you don't sink. Let's stand for closing prayer. And you might just want to say this prayer kind of quietly to yourself, but I'll I'll kind of lead us through this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Even when I get into debt. Thank you for giving me tools today to work towards financial freedom. Jesus, I want you in the boat in my life. I give myself to you, and I'm willing to use my money your way. Help me to keep from drowning financially, emotionally, and spiritually. Be the Lord, the manager, the CEO of my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Have a great week. Know you're loved in this place. And uh, we'll see you at the picnic.